Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. Well, well, well. We had a ho-hum week in the world of sports. We had just a mere encounter up in Foxborough on Sunday night. The end of the regular season in Major League Baseball. And we're also heading into the wild card games that we're going to determine who makes the divisional series in the National League and the American League. Baseball, Yankees, Red Sox, classic. Cardinals, Dodgers, classic wild card game. Winners advance to the divisional round. The AL wild card winner will advance to play the Tampa Bay Rays. And the National League winner will advance to play the San Francisco 49ers. We have one of our better episodes we've ever put together here on the Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us. We are going to lead off with TJ Reeves of the Buccaneers Radio Network. TJ was in New England Sunday night on the sidelines, pregame, halftime, postgame interviews. He was there when Belichick talked to Brady in the locker room. He was there to interview Bruce Arians. He was there to get rained on and see Nick Folk hit the left upright in the waning moments as the Buccaneers beat the New England Patriots in Tom Brady's return. Then we're going to hit Steve Carney of stpete9.com, Rays Insider, as we're going to break down all things Major League Baseball playoffs, wild card games, divisional rounds, who who we think the favorites are, and are the Tampa Bay Rays really going to split their season in Montreal and Tampa? Is Stu Sternberg really going to do that? Or is the Tampa Bay community or St. Pete community going to come together and figure out a way to keep the Rays in Tampa? And last but not least, we're going to talk to Jessica Hyden. Jessica is the wife of Steve Hyden, who's the Arizona Cardinals tight ends coach. We're going to talk to Jessica about her journey with Steve throughout her, his career as an NFL tight end and now as an NFL assistant coach. So enjoy three great interviews, NFL, Foxborough, Steve Carney with the MLB playoffs, and last but not least, our Life of the Wife series with Jessica Hyden, wife of Steve Hyden of the Arizona Cardinals. Have a great week. Reach out to us on Twitter, at Sports. We'd love to hear your comments and enjoy the interviews and the podcast. Have a great week. Check out my new podcast called the No Quarter Given Podcast, where myself and Peter Blake we give a historical analysis of all the Buck opponents throughout the regular season. Week to week, every opponent that the Bucks will play this year, we will do a podcast on a historical overview of the rivalry between the Bucks and this week's opponent. So f- subscribe, rate, and review to the No Quarter Given podcast on all your podcast platforms. 
All right. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us on all the various podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts from. We are leading off the podcast this week with my man TJ Reeves of the Buccaneer Radio Network, Compass Media Networks. He had one hell of a weekend in the world of football. <laughs> he was in a couple of mega games over the weekend. So we're going to bring TJ in and he's going to set the scene for us from Tuscaloosa, Alabama on a Saturday. And then on one Foxborough, Boston, Massachusetts, Sunday night. Welcome back, TJ. It is always good to be on the Powers On Sports podcast. Uh, I am doing this fresh off of getting back from New England. Please, for my own sake, if I start to give out my social security number or my bank account information, stop me from doing that on the Powers On Sports podcast. I might be a little delirious at this point, but it, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a privilege to get to do these things. I know you want to talk Bama and Ole Miss, and then we'll get to that little bitty significant uh, Buccaneer up. Patriot game that yeah. came on Sunday night that I think about 15 minutes ago, I finally dried out from, from being <laughs> in the rain most of the night, including in the fourth quarter. And the football gods smiled on the Buccaneers because probably the hardest rain of the night, Jason, happened on the final Patriots drive with them trying to kick the field goal. And I don't know how much, if any, that affected Nick Folk. You can speak better to this as a as a former Division One kicker. Uh, I don't know how much it affected him, but hey, we'll take the clank off the upright and the victory after ten years of one shank after miss after pull after clank from Buccaneer kickers in the fourth quarter and in the clutch. We'll take that one and a few more from some other kickers, my friend. And, and, and interesting point about the kicker. Mr. Folk was a Buccaneer a few years back on a Thursday and, night and, yes, and missed and, three field goals in a game against the Patriots here in Tampa that the Buccaneers <laughs> could have won very easily. And there you go. And so it comes full circle in Tom Brady's return game. But I think you want to talk uh, a little college chronologically first, right? Yeah, I don't want to, I don't I want to produce you, your show, but I know you mentioned that. Yeah. So I want you to take us to Tuscaloosa Saturday afternoon. 3.30, UNC. Wait, hold Burke. on, hold on. Alabama just scored again. Continue on. Yes. <laughs> you, Steve Burline, up in the booth calling the uh -huh. game. Give us the sense of the, of the anticipation heading into that game well, with Saban and, and Lane Kiffin. So the first thing is they've welcomed back everybody to full capacity. I did three games a year ago for Compass Media Networks in Tuscaloosa, and all of them were at 25% capacity. So you had about 20,000 people there. Uh, that's not the same thing as what we saw on Saturday, including about three hours before the game, the masses of humanity that were everywhere around downtown Tuscaloosa and trying to get around to, to, to Bryant Denny stadium. So that's the first thing you're struck by. And man, they were roaring. They were going crazy pregame. They knew how big this game was. And Jason, I just, I cannot get over a few days later that Mac Jones Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, and two of the offensive linemen, six total, got drafted in the first round yeah. of the NFL draft. And these guys don't miss a beat with the players that they have. It's crazy how they reload with these guys. And uh, they they were up 28 nothing before you could spell Kiffin. And they get the opening kickoff to start the second half and drive right down their throat for 35 nothing, And basically, game over. So you talk about prohibitive favorite to repeat. Alabama looks the part. All things being equal, they look the part, my friend. And everybody thought this was going to be an absolute shootout. And I thought a big part of the game was early. 
Kiffin kept going for it on fourth down, he could have kicked – you know, I know you have to be aggressive against Alabama. I get it. But I think he was ultra aggressive and maybe too aggressive <laughs> and should have scored early. You and I have seen a lot of football. When is the last time any coach went for it on fourth down three times on the opening drive of the game? Opening drive of the game. Not, not having to do it because the game is hanging in the balance in the fourth right. quarter. He told you right there, um, almost like one of those banners flying behind one of those airplanes that was flying around Tuscaloosa. We know we need touchdowns. Right. That's what he was saying to everybody. And Bama stopped him there and made some defensive adjustments. And you just got to give them credit. They were strong on defense yep. with the four-man pass rush. Ole Miss couldn't do what they wanted to do. Uh, and then Alabama sledgehammered them with the run game. Didn't have to throw it a bunch. But, uh, again, a complete performance by Alabama. I, I cannot stress enough. I know we have a long way to go, yep. but they are the team to beat right now. Clearly, you can talk about Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, are they back? A couple of other teams maybe in the mix, Oklahoma, but Alabama is the team to beat. No, there's no doubt about it, and especially in the SEC. I, you know, Georgia will give them a game, I think, but as far as Arkansas getting thrashed by Georgia, Florida's lost, you know, you've got you, you've got uh, LSU struggling in the West, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I mean, it's the West they, is pretty much play, Auburn. I didn't mean to interrupt. They play Texas A&M this weekend. You thought, okay, maybe Jimbo Fisher's going to be ready to go right. because he's never beaten Nick Saban, uh, much less at Texas A&M. And they go and lose to Mississippi State at home. Maybe in a look ahead, I don't know. So yep. some of the luster is now off of Texas A&M for that game this weekend. Oh, yeah, they've lost two in a row. That game, their quarterback's hurt. That, that That's you know, CBS put that game in primetime about three weeks ago thinking it was going to be a battle of undefeateds. Now they're cringing and wish they had Auburn, Georgia in primetime. All right. Well, again, it's right. Alabama, and they're a great love-hate team, like the Yankees, like the like the Lakers, like the Dallas Cowboys. They're a love-hate team, too, so some will watch to see if maybe AM can upset them as much as the Alabama fans will watch. All right, where'd you, where'd you go for dinner in Birmingham? Uh, Jim, uh, Jim and Nick's the barbecue. Yep, there's place. several different choices. There's there's Dreamland. You're a Birmingham guy. There's Dreamland that you can go to. There's uh, what is it? Is it Blue Moon? I never get it straight. Blue, Blue Moon, Moon, yeah, a full Blue Moon, Moon, full Moon, full, full Moon, Moon for them. Blue Moon is the drink. Yes, uh, not that I'm a drinker. Full Moon, Jim and Nick's, Dreamland are always on the hit list. We did catch Jim and Nick's yep. on Friday night uh, for dinner, and then uh, after it was over, we went to a sports bar type place. Uh, in the Birmingham Hoover area by the hotel with literally, I think, the Birmingham Auburn fan club because the Auburn LSU game was on. It was so loud. I'm surprised you couldn't hear it back in Tampa Bay. <laughs> the TVs turned up and anything Auburn did, you thought you were at Jordan Hare Stadium. So that was that was some scene to sit in and, and watch for about a quarter. That's about all I could take before I needed more aspirin to move on so we did hit some good food spots and then go. we made our way sunday morning to foxborough for the bucks and the patriots so you, you flew out of birmingham to would you go straight to atlanta atlanta then Correct. atlanta to boston hooked up with the mean gene deckerhoff saw the picture called the florida state win over syracuse uh we hooked up sunday morning in atlanta flew up to providence uh staying in providence for the game in foxborough providence is about 45 minutes to the south yeah boston is about 35 minutes to the north of Foxborough, but there's much more traffic coming out of Boston South. So everybody, a lot of the NFL teams stay in Providence. And so we went to Providence, Rhode Island, right across the border um, for that game. So got a little bit of rest. And then here we go with Sunday night. 
So set the scene for us. You get to Foxborough probably, what, about 3 o'clock or so, I'm guessing? Yep, yep. Something like that. All the national networks had been done pregame shows there, ESPN, CBS. They were all there, NFL Network. Give us the scene of the Foxborough tailgate situation. And just as the – did you know that it was going to rain? Was it raining we did, early? We didn't know there was rain in the forecast, yes. And so I had rain gear with me. Always come prepared or try to be prepared. I've done this long enough. Yep. Uh, again, I've been to Patriot games before. It is always, they've won for so long, Jason. They are always hyped up. They're in their seats to begin the game. Two or three things I will share because I don't think NBC showed a lot of it. Um, but right before the Buccaneers ran on the field is when they did the planned video tribute, which Tom Brady yeah. knew was coming. They had told the team they did it. The crowd rose as one. I'm talking to you a couple of days later, and the hair is still standing up on the back of my neck. Yeah. I share this. The crowd rose as one and started roaring like a touchdown had been scored before they rolled the video. And I'm like, holy cow. And they rolled the video with all of his big moments, you know, first of all, in the snow against the Raiders and Gruden and the Charles Woodson play and the Vinatieri field goal in the snow which many still call that the greatest field goal in NFL history for what's yes. on the line. You're a former kicker. You I agree. I agree. And so the Patriot dynasty is born there. They're showing the highlights from that Super Bowl with the Rams. They're showing all the highlights and all the big plays of all the Super Bowls for about 60 seconds. The crowd is roaring every time. And then they introduce, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they run on the field. And people were cheering, some boos, some cheering. Then they introduced the Patriots, and the whole place went berserk. They, they dimmed the lights again. The whole place went nuts. With their, it was just some scene before the game. It was almost reminiscent of a Super Bowl, not the regular season, but AFC, NFC, that was some scene. Uh, and then they, I thought it was fair and appropriate. Uh, they booed him when he came on the field, and that came <laughs> over, I think, pretty well on NBC, too, that they were booing him loudly, yep. like, okay, we celebrated you, now you're the enemy, right. you're the Buccaneer enemy. And I keep saying, how many times have we seen Tom Brady in a blue Patriots jersey pull a game out in Foxborough? And now it was in Buccaneer, White, and Pewter, where I had every confidence they're going to win this game in the fourth quarter with him. He's not letting this team lose. And even if the field goal had gone through one more point, there's still 50 seconds left. And there's two still timeouts. two timeouts left. Yep. He could still make a couple of plays and get the bucks back in field goal range. Yep. So uh wild night got wet long night. Didn't get a lot of sleep, but worth it after the bucks win Jason powers, two quick points on the game. Well, then we'll move to the post game. Interesting scenario there late in the fourth quarter. The Bucks have the ball at about the 30 down, down a point. Second and third down, he goes for broke to Antonio Brown in the end zone. A lot of people think well, you need, you're going to rely on Ryan Suckup to kick a 48-yard field goal. And granted, he misses Antonio Brown by about six inches from being a touchdown, but he missed him. Your thoughts of that? Did you not think that they were going to try to get a little closer for Ryan? Or what were your, what were your thoughts on, the, on, the, on just – and again, you could tell Brady was emotional in that game. He was a little off with his accuracy, whether it was the weather, whether right. it was the emotion of the game, who knows. But you could tell Brady was a little bit off his game. And Bel give Belichick credit. He did a good job on the defensive side. Well, and you're right. In that, in that circumstance, they went for the touchdown on back-to-back -to -back plays instead of trying to get the first down and bleed the clock some and maybe get a clinching touchdown if they right. could. Uh, no risk it, no biscuit is Bruce Arians going for it. And I asked him about that play after the game. And he said, Hey, it was not the primary design. It was, if we get a certain look right. from the coverage, he's going to come off the primary read and he's going to go long again. And that's what they did. 
little revealing there. Love this stuff. This is why you got to listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. That was also from Bruce Arians on Buccaneers Radio after it was done. Um, again, just give them credit. He made the throws that he yeah. had to make. when the t- I mean, that, that throw to Antonio Brown on the final drive on the third down to keep the drive alive is a bullet. It's a great throw. 44-year-old quarterback. Still got the zip on the football. So, And then Suckup makes the kick, and then my man Levante David bats that ball down. Did it surprise you like it surprised a lot of people that Belichick didn't go for the fourth down and tried the 55-and-a-half-yard field goal? Because I I will go ahead and say I said on the sideline, I'm standing near Michelle Tafoya of NBC and others, and I just said out loud, they're kicking? And they they were, and he missed. Did it surprise you? It it really didn't because, I I mean, again, Nick Foltz doesn't have the biggest leg in the world but I think he didn't want to put all the pressure on Mac Jones on a fourth down play personally, you know, I, and I almost think True. in the back of his mind, he'll never admit this. He's thinking if Nick Folk can make this kick and then I stop Tom Brady from winning the game, then what? Yeah. Right. Well, it's true. And maybe, maybe he, and, and obviously folk had the distance. It was not an issue of not yeah. being able to get it there, but uh, again, Buccaneer, Buccaneer mojo with all the kickers and yep. Nick Folk being a former kicker. It all worked out in the end. All right. Talk to me about post game. Obviously you saw Brady hugging everybody on the, on the field, right? His interview with Michelle Tafoya. How close were you to all that action? And then so obviously I had interesting. I had left. So you're seeing all of that. We have to go get ready for the post game radio duties to interview Bruce Arians and other players. Yep. Uh, so I did not see him. I knew they were going to talk to him. And so I did not see him being interviewed there. Now I saw him coming down the tunnel with people clapping, cheering. I'm talking about workers, stadium workers uh, underneath the stadium, clapping for him as he jogged back to the tunnel in the locker room, back down where we were all standing. So I got to see that part. And here's what you want to know. So we get done interviewing Bruce <laughs> yep. We get done interviewing Ryan Suckup. And I may, I, again, it all runs together here, Jason. I think I mentioned this on the Nothing But Bucks official podcast. on Promote yourself, promote it. Okay, so Nothing But Bucks is on Buccaneers.com and the Buccaneers mobile app. It's after every game. It's a recap podcast, highlights, interviews, my analysis. I think I said this. Maybe I didn't. So you're getting it now on Powers on Sports. I, we're done with the post-game show. We're taking, we're deconstructing the equipment. We're right beside the Buccaneers locker room, yep. socially distanced where we have to be. And Bill Belichick is walking right towards me, unaccompanied, unescorted, going to the Buccaneer locker room. Jason, he walks a foot past me while I'm wow. standing. He doesn't know who I am. He walks right by me to go in the Bucks line. I'm like, okay, here comes the post-game meeting that everybody doesn't know and right. doesn't see is coming. And they were in there for about 20 minutes. He did talk to Bruce Arians a little bit. He talked to Tom Brady a lot. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and why not? These guys are intertwined forever. They'll go into the Hall of Fame together, Belichick and Brady. Why not? So there's a little scoop on the powers on sports podcast. That's what I was going to ask. I knew that you know, that, that word got out post game and that Belichick made an appearance in the Buccaneer locker room. And, you know, Blaine, yeah, Ga- I heard some comments from Blaine Gabbard about everybody was like, Whoa, what is he doing in here? Kind of deal. <laughs> and that he stayed for 15 minutes. It wasn't like it was a two minute visit, right? It seemed like it was a pretty detailed conversation with he and Tom. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So that's a great insight from you and awesome. All right. What time did you get out of there? Did you get out of there Monday morning? Oh, when did you guys we fly out, out? We got out of there Monday morning, little to no sleep. Did the podcast in the middle of the night, uh, early morning flight, got back to Tampa. Again, I'm still recovering. I'm not as young a man as I used to be, but it's <laughs> worth it. The Buccaneers won the game, and now you get to reload and be at home this week. So that's a good thing. And, uh, again, with all of that out of the way, now you look towards 
the next two or three weeks here of Dolphins at home, an Eagles team that's struggling, and a Bears team that, yes, beat Detroit, who's bad, yes. but they've been struggling. There is a real chance, one at a time here, to build some momentum, Jason Powers. Absolutely. I, th I think there's a big weight that that's off of Tom's shoulder and the Bucks' shoulder in yep. the anticipation of this game that's been building up for basically since training camp started. You hate to say it, since training camp's been going. Now I think I, you can take a big, deep breath, and I'm like you. I think the Buccaneers are going to go on a run here and win four, five, six games in a row type of deal, and it's going to do nothing but free up Tom. I think everybody's going to be – Free and don't be surprised if Brady lights up the league here in the next three or four weeks. I'm all here for it. You know, I want happy post game shows, keep winning games. We had so many years where you couldn't get out of your own way, couldn't figure it out, yep. lose 10 games, lose 12 games. Let's get used to winning and winning in bunches. I, I love that. And it was uh it was good to see. I know the Patriots deserve some credit. They played they well, they played tough, but you really wonder how psychologically damaged they are now at 0-3 at home, one and three overall. Uh, it will see you. It's going to, it's going to take a lot of effort from Belichick and his coaches to turn them around. Last game note. We'll get you out of here. Give me a, give me an update on Richard Sherman. Sherman. How do you think he looked? Obviously his, his role is now going to be even more important with Carlton Davis going down with, you know, uh, sure. the, the depleted secondary. how did you think he looked? From yeah, no Jamel Dean. We yep. don't know if Sean Murphy bunting can come back soon from the elbow injury. Jamel yep. Dean is week to week right now with the knee injury. Yep. Richard Sherman played 58 plays, right? And I cannot get over that. I mean, I kept watching in the third and fourth quarter and I'm going, okay, yeah, I know they're depleted, but how much does he have in the tank with no training camp, no preseason to get out there? So that's a credit to him. I don't know how long he can hold up physically. He right. missed the last 12 games last year with a calf injury. He had an Achilles injury the year before that, right? Can the legs hold up, but he brings veteran leadership. I thought for a brief second in the third period, he was going to take off on the fumble return. When he right. picked it up, I'm like, how Hollywood would this be? If this guy <laughs> picks it up and races to the end zone with it. Uh, and one more fun one. You're playing with he and Pierre Desir. Desir yes. has been on the Bucks practice squad before. They had just picked him up to the active roster earlier in the week. I don't know that Richard Sherman know, knew Pierre Desir's last name, but they're out there on the field together in the second half. Desir obviously knows who Richard Sherman is, yep. but I don't know that Richard knew Pierre beyond first name basis, Pierre, for the game, but they got it done, and that's a credit to Todd Bowles and to his staff, Kevin Ross, the defensive yep. backs coach, the yep. corners coach, to coach him up. The players got to go and play, and uh, and they did, and Richard Sherman deserves credit again. I hope he holds up physically. It's it's bizarre. We're used to seeing him in Seattle and Arizona, but, brother, I was right down there on the sideline with him wearing a Buccaneer number five. It's, it's crazy. It's no crazier than Tom Brady throwing a touchdown to Rob Gronkowski in the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium in the end zone. That is all-time goofy, twinkie, twilight zone bizarre. But Richard Sherman being out there in buck colors, that was pretty interesting Sunday night. Last note, and I'll get you out of here. While you're eating at Jim and Nick's on Friday night in Birmingham, my good buddy, one of my best friends, is refereeing a game in Birmingham, a high school game Friday night, and he's the guy on Monday night countdown, come on, man, that they throw the ball off his knee that deflects off and the high school kid picks it off for the, on the defense and runs for a touchdown on ESPN's Monday night countdown, literally not, about 10 minutes down the road from where you're eating at not, Jim and Not Nick. what you want to be known for as an official. And I know you officiate, you don't want to be part of the play or part of the action or part of come on, man, <laughs> on that. You would rather not be. Uh, we had, we had one of those um, in, in another game. I'm trying to remember 
where there was a sack fumble and it hit the referee and it was still a live ball. Yeah. And I want to say, was it an NFL game or a college game? It all runs together, but there was another one. The, the, the rule always is the same with basketball, not with baseball. The official is part of the play. And Absolutely. in hockey, it's the same thing. The official is part of the play. In baseball, it's a dead ball if the ball hits the umpires right. anywhere in the field of play. But football, basketball, and hockey, it's part of the play. It's part of the human element. Play on with hitting the uh, the officials. So, yeah, good good stuff on that. I always while you're, eating, while you're, eating, while you're eating cheese biscuits at Jim and Nick's, <laughs> my buddy's making, come on, man, ESPN, oh. baby. You are connected everywhere, my friend. <laughs> all right, tell everybody where they can find you, find all your good stuff online. Hey, you're too kind. Uh, find the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Love the insight. Love having Jason Powers and others on picking underdogs in college football in the NFL. We still picked four more of them last week. We have 22 successful underdog picks off the last uh, four shows now. So we're hanging in there with picking underdogs, college football, and the NFL. Find Three Dog Thursday wherever you find your podcast, like Jason is saying, keep knocking them dead with the Powers on Sports podcast, my friend. I love that uh, and all the work that you do. And let's see what the Buccaneers can continue to do with those dastardly Dolphins this weekend at home. And definitely, definitely t- tell everybody where they can find you on the post-game show on the Buccaneers. Post-game, Buccaneers Radio 98 Rock is the local affiliate in Tampa Bay. It is also on the Buccaneers mobile app. If you're in Florida, you can hear it uh, as well. Sirius XM, tune in, also have the game coverage. You have to pay the subscription though for those. Yep. Again, thanks for the thanks for the plug. We'll be on prior to the game and after the game Sunday with the Dolphins. Don't get to it's not every day you get to play the Dolphins in the regular season. First time in yep. eight years they've been here at Raymond James Stadium. We'll see what happens. TJ gets Bruce Bruce Arians every week. First interview post game. He does an awesome job. Keep up the great work, my man. And we will talk real soon. Listen, I always love being with you. Keep knocking them dead on Powers on Sports, my friend. Good stuff. We're trying. We're trying. Hang in there, folks. We'll be right back with Steve Carney to break down all things Major League Baseball playoffs coming up this week. We'll be right back in just a minute. Thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And now a word from our podcast sponsor, Titan Home Lending. For all of your home financing needs anywhere in the state of Florida, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, reach out to Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Titan Home Lending is based in Tampa, Florida. We can help you with FHA, conventional, renovation loans, jumbo loans, and virtually anything in between. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205 790-1404. All right. The marathon is over. Now we are down to the sprint. The Major League Baseball playoffs are finally here. All from all the way back in February to spring training. We have now reached the wild card round and the divisional round coming up this week throughout Major League Baseball, both in the National League and the American League. And no better person to break it down with, with, with than our Rays insider, Steve Carney. Steve is the host of Under the Orange Roof podcast as well. He's the creator of stpete9.com as well as he's a uh, contributor on WDAE here in the Tampa Bay area for, the, for Rays coverage throughout the baseball season. So welcome back to the podcast, Steve. Thank you, Jason. It's good to be back with you again. This is uh, time, what, three or four, but uh, every time I, I always enjoy being on with you. All right, before we get to the baseball, I know you're, you're a long-time Tampa Bay 
sports personality. I want to get your opinion on Bucks, Patriots, Brady, and Foxborough from Sunday night. Uh, well, I mean, you think about it. This was probably the most widely anticipated game uh, in the regular season in the NFL, maybe ever. And uh, I certainly think that it lived up to the excitement, but it should not have been that exciting. And, you know, it's funny, Jason, you know, you played the game, you know, I've been around the, the NFL for, you know, 15 years uh, working uh, in, in the, uh, in the capacities that I have. And, and I have learned over the course of my time covering sports that you really, you know, people that complain about the officials, don't really know what's going on uh, in the game. But I can tell you that the officials, Bill Vinovich's crew uh, on Sunday night, did not do a good job uh, officiating that game. And, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, there, was a, there was a play in the fourth quarter in, the final in, the, in New England's final drive. And this is the play that really, you know, chapped my rear end, uh, <laughs> so to speak. All right, so... That they just get uh, the Bucks get called for pass interference with by on Jordan Whitehead on yeah. Hunter Henry. Henry's not looking for the football right. as he's going over the middle. You know he crosses across Whitehead's face as Whitehead is going for the ball behind him. They call Whitehead for pass interference. That's a judgment call. I'm okay. You know I I I think it's the wrong call, but I think but you know it's a judgment call. You know officials are allowed to to have that. The next play. Hunter Henry gets another reception from Mac Jones is inbounds. The clock is running. They come up to the line. Henry is called for a false start and the clock stops. Right. By rule, it's under two minutes. There's a minute and 33 on the clock. By rule, you're under two minutes. So when, it, when the offense uh, commits a penalty that stops the clock. Right. There, not only do you get the mark off of the yardage, but by rule, there should be a 10-second runoff of the of the play clock, or the Patriots who did have one timeout left have to burn it. Could have could have called that timeout to prevent right. the 10-second runoff. Right. Bilvinovich's crew did not uh, enforce that that part of the rule, which which was like, are you kidding me? Right. Like that's that's part of the rule, and you and as a experienced referee and an experienced officiating crew. There was no first timers right. on that, on that crew. That rule was enforced incorrectly and it helped and it helped the Patriots because a, they got to keep their timeout and, and B, they stopped the clock on it. Not only that, they added a second on. <laughs> it was like, and, you and that's, that's a rule they can get help from New York with on the replay. That's yes. where the guys in New York can help the official on the field by saying, Hey, you need to start the clock here, and they didn't do that either. Yeah. Hey, you need to you need to enforce a 10 second runoff uh, in this, and nobody it, they they dropped the ball, and then you could say it got even worse because on the very next play, the left tackle flinched. He did. That was the and, that and was the one. Point, that should have been another five yards. It should have been another 10 second runoff. That was the bad one. That was to me. That was the really egregious one. Is how did they miss that false start by the left tackle? No doubt about it. Again, again, that's a judgment call. No, that's one you at that level you cannot miss that one. That's not no. a judgment call. I mean, I, 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 again, again, I but but I I can I can say it's a judgment call because they didn't call the penalty. 
Right. When you call the penalty, you've got to enforce it correctly. Right. Right. And no, so right. I was like, they they should they they really dropped the ball. And that could have meant something if 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 the Bucks had lost that game. Yeah. I was sure. ready to I was ready to tell uh the the my contacts inside, hey, you need to file a protest with the league <laughs> because they didn't enforce a penalty correctly right. against New England and it helped them. Right. And I'm gonna and I'm a high school I'm a high school official and I usually try to defend the officials whenever I can, but the, the false start was one you can't defend. You know, um, I thought I thought personally early in the game there was that catch fumble that they overturned. Yeah, I thought that was a catch. I thought he'd had the ball. It was close, but I thought he had it long enough for it to be a catch fumble. Um, you know, who knows? Was there a conspiracy out of the NFL office to keep the game close in Foxborough for TV? It's Sunday night, Sunday night football. If you look all the Sunday night football, there hasn't been a there hasn't been a blowout on Sunday night football <laughs> at all this year. Right. Especially in this game, you know, they, they knew they were going to get a huge audience and all that stuff. Again, I don't think there's a conspiracy by any means, but you just, those things go through your mind when you see some of these things that happen and they always happen. They, they tend to always happen in Foxborough too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Patriots always get the benefit of the doubt. It seems like. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Let's get to the diamonds. Big as we're, we are taping this as wild card games are going on. So if you're listening to this, you're, the wild card game is probably already over. So you're you're going to know who's in the divisional round to, to face the the uh, the Rays and the the Giants. We got two great wild card games: Yankees, Red Sox, L.A. St. Louis. Just your general thoughts about those two games. Well, if you know if the playoffs are a television show, they got maybe the two most interesting wild card games that uh the, that they could ask for i mean you get the yankees and the red sox which i mean is ratings bonanza uh anyway when when new york and when major league baseball comes out you know the the, the networks see boston and new york and they go that's the game that we want yes because we know how old the rivalry is we know how heated the rivalry has sure. been you know and and the fact is that you know, that this is going to be one game. And as they say in wrestling, loser leave town. Uh, <laughs> so, so, and, and it's, and it's, and technically this when it's winter leave town as well, because the winner's got to come to Tropicana field uh, to take on the Rays in the American league division series. But that is, that's ratings gold on a Tuesday night uh, that, that they, uh, that ESPN is going to have uh, here. And then Wednesday's game, You've got the Dodgers, who only finished with 106 wins right. on the season, but they're the number one wild card because the Giants finished with 107 wins uh, after getting out to that huge start uh, on them, and they take on a St. Louis Cardinals team that is coming off of a 17-game winning streak. So, right, uh, I mean, you, you would think you would think that the Dodgers and the Giants are the hottest teams in baseball, but it's really the Cardinals. The yeah, the, the, Card- the Cardinals, who were not anywhere close to sniffing uh, a playoff berth, and all of a sudden, here they are jumping over the Padres and jumping over uh, a couple of other teams to get into that conversation and and be a part of here uh, this postseason. And you know, I'm really curious to see how that works out because in this in that instance, you've got two of the older teams, right? Uh, you know, both of them, uh, both the uh, Cardinals and uh, 
the uh, the Dodgers were formed in the 1880s. And so yep. uh, I look at I look at both of these games. Four huge, gonna... four huge baseball markets, four Absolutely. huge markets and, and legendary markets at that. Uh, indeed, it's that I would think that these may be the two most uh, highly rated when it comes to the, tele, you know, eyeballs yep. watching television that that you're going to see here. In, in quite a while, having Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers, Cardinals. All right, who do you get the edge to? You got Cole and Eovaldi, Yankees, Red Sox, and then you got Wainwright and Scherzer, St. Louis and L.A. Quick quick, I, quick call. Um, for me, I, I think it's the Yankees. You know, Garrett Cole, uh, I think, you know, is my runner-up for the Cy Young. Yeah. Uh, I, have Robbie, I have Robbie Ray uh, of Toronto. Uh, it would, would have been my choice for Cy Young if I had a vote. So uh, I had Cole second. I had Eovaldi, I think, third. Uh, no, I had him fourth. Um, you know, it's going to be a great pitching matchup. Uh, I think it really depends on if J.D. Martinez plays tonight or, you know, yeah, right. as we're taping this. Uh, if J.D. Martinez plays, uh, I think it's going to be a little more difficult. But Garrett Cole is just so strong. This is why they're paying him $340 million yep. to win this game. So. Yeah, we'll I, I, but I have the Yankees winning. What about L.A. St. Louis? You got the old man Wayne Wright against the almost old man Scherzer. I was gonna say Scherzer ain't much younger than Wayne Wright. You know, Wayne Wright's forty and uh, Scherzer is thirty-seven. So yeah. uh, this is going. This is going to be graybeards galore. I got mine. I got mine going. Just me too. Uh, I got a little scruff too. Yeah, this <laughs> is about. This is about. This is about two months worth. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get much. Don't get much bigger than this, uh, which is which is nice in one way, but it kind of gets kind of nasty in in another. But um, I think go gets back Scherzer and and the Dodgers. They've done so much this year. They're so loaded. A lot of people think that they are still the team to be, even though they're the wild card. You know, in in the in the entire tournament here. Yep. So I, I'm gonna go with Scherzer and, and the Dodgers here just to make sure that we had Dodgers Giants in the NLDS. That would be, yeah, that would be, that would be, that would be classic. All right, before we get to the analysis of the other series, let's get, give me a little background on the Rays and all the teams that have had off since Sunday. You got the, you got the White Sox, Astros, Brewers, Atlanta, San Francisco, and the Rays. What is their approach going to be these three days leading up to their first, to their game one, having to wait basically four or five days to play the next game? Yeah, you know what? This is great for these teams. No, they really haven't had a chance to stop and reset since the All-Star break in the in the beginning of July. So I, I look at what this, you know, stretch is going to be uh, allow them to do. It's going to allow either it's going to allow their bullpen to get completely 100% healthy. And for the Rays, you know, they've been using uh their bullpen matchup wise for the last four or five days of the season, you know, they weren't letting their pitchers go more than say three innings, especially their young pitchers, you know, the Rasmussen's, their bosses, their mm-hmm. McClanahan's, they all went three innings, two and two thirds innings, three innings. You know, the only guy that went longer than that was Michael Waka. And that's because they, I don't think they expect Michael Waka to be in the rotation right. for the, uh, uh, for the ALDS best of five. You really only need three starting pitchers, right? So, you, but you're going to want to make sure that all of these guys are healthy. Uh, the hitters, they're going to get a couple of workouts in. They got uh, Monday completely off, so they got a chance to, you know, rest and recover. Decompress, just decompress. 
Yeah, because this has been quite a run over the last week and a half, going from clinching the American League uh, playoff berth to clinching the American League East to getting the the best record to 100 wins. You know, this has been, you know, uh, a road of accomplishments that have all come very quickly. And so they get Monday. They got Monday off. They'll work out uh, at the Trop uh, for the Rays uh, on Tuesday. Uh, They'll probably do some work on Wednesday as well. And then they'll get ready as, as it would be a normal game because of the 808 start. They can they can get in at normal time and be ready to go uh, in their normal start coming up uh, on Thursday. So it's been a little bit of rest, a little bit of workout. You want to make sure that you're not rusty for that first game because, you know, with the wild card teams, at least, you know, they will have played on Tuesday or on Wednesday. Right. And then with the DSs starting Thursday or Friday, it's only like just getting a normal day off for them so they're still in pretty good shape although we'll see what their pitching staffs look like no you're right and and remember folks it's a three out of five game series they're going to play two games in tampa and the home teams are all going to host their two games they get a day off and then they're going to play two more in the road visitor do they get a day off after game fours yes they do okay oh yeah they're day off and then they'll come back for a game five if necessary which is why you only need three starting pitchers because you can go one, two, th- one, two, day off, three, right. one, day off, two. So, right. Talk to talk to the fans about the how the rosters can be constructed. So, if players can be put on a divisional roster. Can they be removed during the series? They can for injury, but here's the thing: if you are removed from the roster during a series, you cannot return in that series nor the next series. So, okay. if they if you get if you get removed from the seri- uh, from the roster in the AL division series, let's say for example, yeah. let let's let's just go with Nick Anderson, a reliever. Uh, a, a reliever. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's where usually you see these moves <laughs> is the reliever or maybe the fourth outfielder, fifth yeah. outfielder kind of guy, or a catcher or a third catcher maybe gets removed. Yeah, and and you get a chance to reset your your roster after every series. Okay, so. But, but if you were taking off the roster in the middle of a series, you're now ineligible to be to return in that series and you're ineligible to be put on the roster for the next series. So if someone's taken off for injury in the ALDS, the earliest they can come back is the World Series. Right. So, okay. so just bear, you this. So front offices have to bear that in mind as well. And you have to balance the five game series versus the next series being a seven game series and obviously the World Series. So, there's some gamesmanship and some strategy that goes into, especially in the reliever side of what relievers against what matchups you like, lefties and righties, how you want to balance your bullpen. So those are under under the radar decisions that have to be made by all these managers. All right, let's get to Kevin Cash. You and I both know the fateful decision he made last year was Snell in the playoffs. You know that was that was debated left and right by everybody around the world. And it's you, still being debated. That's right. And, and it's going to be debated every time there's any kind of decision coming up. How do you think Kevin Cash, you being around him all year, you talking to him, I'm sure, on and off the record, how do you oh, yeah. think he's handled that moment? And how do you think that's going to affect his decision-making leading into the playoffs this year? I think he's handled it perfectly. You know, he has said, you know, do you, do you want to go back and maybe not do that? He said, And he said, sure, because you know that the – uh, that the opposite effects, you know, by doing it, you know, you know that they're not going to win. You, you know that, you know, 
That 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 mark is set. We know that he pulls Blake Snell and the bullpen gives up a couple of runs and they end up losing the game. You don't know if he stays in, he doesn't give up a couple of runs and they lose the game anyway. So, you know, it's it's 50, you know, right now we know what we know what one side, one fork of the of the historical road is all about, but you don't know the other side. So he says that, yeah, I, w- I would love to go back and know what would happen if I, you know, left Blake Snell in. Now, to be honest, I think that if he leaves Blake Snell in, Snell gives up the lead anyway. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm completely serious. <laughs> Snell had not gone six innings in a game all year. Right. So, so I was like, I was like, yeah, he's probably going to give up the lead anyway. And the Dodgers had not been shut out last year. They, you know, they, they went the entire season and did not score zero runs. So having a one, nothing lead, you had to know that they were going to score at least one. And so I, I, I had a feeling that, you know, if the offense could have gotten him a couple of more runs, right. If it had been three, nothing. He probably stays in, but it's one, nothing. And you got to fight. You got to figure out a way to keep putting up zeros. So uh, he's handled it. Great. Has it affected him? Absolutely not. Nope, not not one, not one second. You know, he has not lost a moment of sleep over it. He is not, he is not, uh, and nothing has changed in the way that he has done things. And, you know, obviously the way that he is doing things works is a 100 games this year for the first right. time in franchise history. Right. And he would be my vote for manager of the year uh, because they've, they've used, 61 different players, over 40 pitchers. They've used 18 rookies. Uh, I mean, Incredible. The, the numbers that they have put up uh, with some of these, I mean, you look at it, no pitcher had more than 10 wins. Right. Uh, you know, they had a couple of them that, that finished uh, with, with 10 wins. McClanahan, Fleming both had 10, but nobody had more than 10. Right. And, you know, all the guys, they had 13 guys, 13 different pitchers recorded a save. I mean, they they spread the wealth around and they do it better than any other team uh, out there. And that's because they've been doing it longer than any other team out there. And the Rays are in the Rays, their MOs, and, and we're going to get to the we'll break down the series here in just a minute. But the Rays are not as deep at the starting pitching with experience this year. They're pitching a lot of young guys as their starters. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's going to have as much of a he'll have a quick trigger with the young pitchers this year as opposed to last year. He had some more veterans. He had Snell, Morton, guys that have some experience that that's where the decision probably came was, hey, I got an experienced pitcher. Do I leave him out there? Do I pull him? I don't think this year will be a debate at all. Any kind of trouble, he's going to the bullpen. No, it's Matt. It's going to be matchup city. And I've been I said on WDAE when they asked, you know, what do you think the rotation is going to be? Would not surprise me one iota if the uh, rotation for the for the five game series isn't McClanahan opener opener right and and play matchups right from the get-go you're going to be able to get those matchups whether it's against the Red Sox or the Yankees that you feel that you're going to be in good shape and you won the season series over both of these teams 11-8 so this should be uh this either way you're looking at a team that you should be able to handle uh matchup wise because you were able to do so all year long with just 26 players and so I think that you know, you'll see, you'll probably see an extra reliever yeah. as opposed to a pitcher. Sure. You know, a starting pitcher 
this might be the one time that they leave, say, Ryan Yarbrough off the off the uh, list right. because the Yankees have so many right-handed hitting power bats with Judge and with Stanton and with Torres and with Sanchez. Right. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if if it's Ryan Yarbrough that gets left off, as opposed to say if it was Boston because they've got you know guys like Devers and, and right. Verdugo that are all lefties. Um, you know, all the, all the left-handed bats that, that Boston, you know, can, can trot out, you know, maybe you leave Michael Walker off, although they have Hunter Renfro is who has burned their lefties. So maybe you leave Yarbrough off. You, you never know. Um, but I think that it's more likely that you see Yarbrough left off if it's the Yankees series and you add another reliever. And then with the left-handed, uh, pitching, you know, that's when you go, okay, do we want Jordan Luplo or do we want, um, you know, some, you know, you, who, you, who do you leave off in that case? Do you leave Jordan Luplo off? Do you leave Joey Wendell off? Do you right. Leave, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of questions that will come up that will come about here uh, as we get ready to see the, uh, the rosters get finalized. And they don't have to be finalized until Wednesday. And we're taping this on Tuesday morning. So we've got, we still have some time to figure this all out. Yep. All right. One more, one more off the field question. Then we'll, then we'll get some predictions. We'll go around each of the series and get a prediction. Sure. Stu Sternberg, a uh, lot of controversy with Sternberg the last couple oh. of weeks, banners about Montreal getting put up, getting taken down. Not a good PR week for Stu Sternberg and company the last 10 days or so. Just give, give the audience an update on the Montreal situation and what you're hearing and what you, you know, what you think, how you think that's going to play out during the playoffs, if at all. Oh, I'm sure there will be a lot of talk about Montreal, uh, especially now that the the team announced that they were going to put up a sign, and then I said, "Oh no, we're gonna we're not going to put up a sign." But they they put that thought, that thought. thought into people's into in the into the media's mind, and so of course it's going to get talked about, uh, you know, as much as as much as they can. You know, for me, um, it's this is more about a wake up call to not the, not the personal fan base community, because there are plenty of fans that are in this market. Um, the poli- the politicians, all- this yes, is a this wake is- up call to the politicians. This is, this is a wake up call to the business community. Yes. Because uh, most people don't understand that the ticket setup scenario, you know, most places will have, when it comes to season tickets, two thirds of them are owned by businesses and one third of them are owned by, you know, the, just the regular ham and eggers like you and I, it's the other way around here uh, in Tampa Bay that most of their season ticket base is individually owned. There are very few season tickets that are held by corporations here uh, in town. Businesses have not bought season tickets and there's still the divide. There's been a divide as long as I've been here and I've been here now close to 20 years, you know, people in Tampa, you know, don't want to come to St. Petersburg, you know, for some, you know, it's like, we are Tampa. We don't go to St. Pete. We're Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. <laughs> and so you get, we are a Tampa, we're a Tampa business. We don't do anything in St. Petersburg. And it's like St. Pete's 25 minutes over the bridge. It's right. not that far. And right. people go, Oh, well, it's an, it's an hour when, when you know, rush hour and I got to go over the bridge and, Come on, give me a break. People, people make much longer treks uh, when, when they own their business. And hey, it's a business write-off, you morons. <laughs> it's like, it's like, come on. 
you know, it, it blows my mind how there is no, and, and the and it's also the politicians, you know, Tampa politicians, Tampa, 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 St. Pete politicians, the mayor of St. Petersburg, Rick, Rick Kreisman, St. Pete, St. Pete, St. Pete, you know, WDA had one of the, um, one of the uh, candidates for the mayor uh, of St. Pete because Mayor Kreisman, his term ends at the end of this year. He's term limited. He can't he can't run for reelection. One of the um, candidates called in to talk about this. And uh, my friend Aaron Jacobson, God bless him, asked the question that most uh, fans wanted to hear. And they said, you know, if you could have one of these two, a half of a season in St. Petersburg and half of a season in Montreal or a full season in Tampa, which would you rather have? And you know what he said? He said, yeah, I'd rather have the half a season in St. Pete because that brings, that brings money into my, into my city. And it's like, there's your disconnect. Right. Hello. That ain't happening. I mean, bottom line between, I mean, is there any chance that, is there any chance they split St. Pete and Montreal? I don't think there is. No, no, I, I don't think so at all. I think it's either going to be, they're either going to get a deal done in Tampa or they're going to move. You know, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I think Sternberg, I think he, you know, it was probably a dumb PR move, but I really think he was trying to make it very clear to everybody. Hey, I'm serious here. I'm not joking around yeah. about, about some, getting something done one way or another. We're either getting the stadium done or I'm moving in the next handful of years. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you completely on that. All right, listen to the – go ahead. No, I'm, I'm – Okay. All right, listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. We're here with Steve Carney, Rays Insider, host of the UTOR podcast, creator of stpete9.com. Definitely go to there, that for all your, your Rays content. I'm sure you'll have a bunch of uh, playoff content, content on there as well, Steve. Let's get to the, uh, let's get to the actual series. Let's, 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 let's go to the um, American League Divisional Series. The interesting series between the old men managers. You got Tony LaRussa with the White Sox, and you got Dusty Baker with the Astros, two old school guys. Mm-hmm. They have a little history. They had some beanball incidents back in the early 2000s when they were with the Giants and the Cardinals. Who knows how much they like each other? You got two old school guys. Your thoughts on those on those two teams? It's gonna be it's gonna be a great series. Um, to me, the White Sox may be the most complete team. Uh, in the American League because uh, their bullpen because of their bullpen yeah I think that the Rays have maybe the deepest team but I think that um, for when it comes to complete I mean when you have Lance Lynn Carlos Radon Dallas Keuchel that you can roll out in a five game series and you've got Giolito yeah you've got Giolito yeah we haven't even gotten to Giolito and and then you can roll Garrett Crochet Michael Kopech Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks out of your bullpen. Right. And then you're, and then you're, you know, hitting your batting order is going to feature uh, Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu and Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. And, you know, they are so thick. Uh, the White Sox, the White Sox are, are the the team. And I, I don't think I'm giving away any, any secrets. They're the one team that worry me, yeah. <laughs> you know, for the Rays. That's the team that I'm, that I'm most concerned about. Uh, in the postseason Astros yeah they're good yeah they can they can hit they don't pitch as well uh, as as the other as the other teams and you know so I think that this is going to be a White Sox win it's probably going to be four or five games because I I have a feeling that 
that the Astros can do enough to steal a game or two, but I don't see them winning three out of five. All right, so you like the White Sox. Let's go to the National League. You got Milwaukee and Atlanta. The Braves had a big run the, the second half of the year after they lost Acuna. They went out and revamped their whole outfield, bunch of mm-hmm. trades, bunch of bunch of they the pitching started to pitch much better. And and Freeman and and Albies and those guys started to play. So the Braves and then obviously got the Brewers with the pitching, the starting pitching. Burns, Woodruff, big loss. Devin Williams breaks his hand in the celebration. That's a big, that's a big loss, but you got Hater at the at the back end as well. So your thoughts, Milwaukee, Atlanta. Uh, yeah, for me, I think this is going to be about the starting pitching. Uh, you know, I, I look at Burns. I look at um, Woodruff. I look at uh, Peralta. You know, those are all guys that are, that are just, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to trot those guys out one, two, three, and yes, no Devin Williams, but you still have Josh Hader yes. uh, in the ninth inning. And I think that that's going to be uh, a little bit too difficult for, and, and you, you know, you talked about Freeman and Albies and, uh, you know, all the guy, all the guys that uh, Austin Riley, yeah, you know, Austin Riley and, and, and the like that, that Atlanta has Milwaukee's going to, he's going to trot out Lorenzo Kane and Avi Garcia and Yelich, Yelich and Colton Wong and yep. Vogelbach and Willie Adamas. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I really do think, you know, this is going to, I think that all of these division series are going to be fantastic. Uh, and I'm, I would go with Milwaukee. Then you got the Giants who are just laying in the weeds. All the old guys with the Giants. They've all had career years, all put it together. What a what a year for Kapler and the Giants. Longoria, yeah. which we know well. You know, you got Buster Posey, got some Florida ties. Can the Giants keep it going? Or do you think this is a, you know, they had a great regular season and they're going to kind of run out of gas here at the, at the finish line? Yeah, if it's the Dodgers, um, this, this is going to be the most interesting yeah. uh, of the division series. Um, I do think they run out of gas though. I, I really do. I, I think the giants, they've been fantastic all year long. I wonder how their pitching is going to help is going to hold up. Um, the, the, it has all year, but this is the postseason. you know, they weren't here, you know, in the sprint, you know, I'm curious to see how many bullets are left in the tank, uh, for some of their pitchers. We know that there are bullets left with the Dodgers, um, and with the Cardinals, I, right. I certainly think that uh, that's going to be the big question with the Giants. And so I, I think if it's the Dodgers that they play, I think it's going to be, I think it's LA. If it's St. Louis, I think the Giants have a better shot. All right. And obviously we both think, I think we both think the Rays will get through the, the yeah. one thing that does scare me is you've seen these teams so many times, Yankees and Red Sox, mm-hmm. you know, they're so familiar with each other. You just, you, you know, you never know. It could be a, you have a two bad, two three bad days, and it's over. And if it and if it's Boston, uh, the Rays will see Sale twice, and that right. that concerns me. Where you're only going to see Cole probably once because of yep. him pitching the wild card game. So yeah, that's definitely something to be to be. All right, give me give me a World Series prediction. I, I think I think we're gonna I think we get a rematch. I think I think I've got I've got I've got Rays Dodgers. I okay. really do. All right, I got gotcha. you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Rays, and I'm gonna kind of come out. I don't know why I think this. I'm gonna go Rays and Braves. I got a. Mm. I got a sleeper in, in Atlanta. I don't know why. I've. I just got to find. I don't know why I think the Braves, but because I know they got bullpen problems and all that stuff. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Rays and Braves as a sleeper here. So, well, Steve, great work, man. Appreciate it. Keep up the. Keep up the great work. Tell the audience one more time where they can find all your content throughout the playoffs. 
absolutely check out stpete9.com for a, all your raised news and analysis. We also have a full archive of Under the Orange Roof. Uh, the podcast comes out every Monday. Uh, I've got my entire setup uh, this week uh, concerning uh, all the postseason awards, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year. You can check that out at stpete9.com. And starting on Thursday, excuse me, I have to cough. <laughs> starting on thursday um we will be doing uh special bonus episodes of under the orange roof after every playoff game so you will get a full recap of every playoff game the next morning on stpete9.com great uh to get to hear uh from uh everything that's gone on uh from the night before and remember folks starting thursday you're gonna have a minimum of two games a night and there'll be a couple days where there'll be four games in a day so if you're a baseball fan, I know there's tons of baseball fans and that not everybody follows it during the regular season, but this is the time of the year. And we have some classic matchups potentially with the obviously Dodgers and Giants, potentially you got Yankees, Boston, Tampa Bay, you got the old guys and the White Sox with LaRusso and Dusty Baker. So definitely, you know, go to stpete9.com, check out the podcast. Great information, great insight from Steve. Are you going to, are you going to be traveling with the Rays as well? No, no. Okay. Well, I'm on my own dime, Jason. Can't I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I'm with you. So get out to the trot folks. There's plenty of tickets. Get to the trot Talk, real quick. Tell the local Tampa fans. We're playing Thursday night at eight o'clock. Correct. Thursday at eight, Friday at seven. Uh, both of them at Tropicana fields. Uh, tickets are still available games. If you, if you're not in the market are going to be on FS one, uh, and then uh, starting on, and then they've got the day off Saturday. They'll play Sunday, Monday at either Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium. Uh, Sunday's game is a four o'clock start. So daytime, uh, the Rays get prime time when they're at home and daytime when they're on the road. Right, right. And, and, they're, and they'll be competing against the Buccaneers. I, got, I don't know if the Buccaneers play at one or four this they're week. One, I think they're at one. So you, you better go straight from the Bucks to the Rays game, a, a Sunday of sports here in the Tampa Bay area. Steve, keep up the great work. We'll be in touch. Continue to success. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it, buddy. You got it. We'll be right back on the Powers on Sports podcast. Okay, we are back. You just heard Steve Carney and I break down all things Major League Baseball as we head to the playoffs. And now I'm now we're on to the National Football League. And we're also gonna we're gonna do another part of our life of the wife series we're very pleased to have jessica hyden jessica's the wife of steve hyden who's the tight ends coach for the arizona cardinals steve was a player in the nfl for 10 11 years with with the chargers and the cleveland browns and he's been in, he's been in the league coaching now for for several years uh with the arizona cardinals so we'd like to welcome jessica hyden to the podcast appreciate you joining us jessica thanks for having me all right, Jessica. So, uh, first thing before we get to the questions, we were supposed to talk a few days ago, and then right before that, you had a flat oh. tire. Yep, life of a, <laughs> I call it the single mom during football mode here. I'm a single mom. Yep. So, woke up and ready to do my podcast with you. Six thirty seven in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, oh, flat tire. <laughs> like, how am I going to get three kids to school and get all you know, two to one school and one to another and uh, so I, fortunately my neighbor had a pump. I, we have a, um, messenger, a Facebook messenger group for our neighborhood. And I put it out there and I was like, help, I have three kids. I got to get them to school. My tire is completely flat. 
And fortunately he responded right away and he had a pump and came over and uh, just pumped it up for me. And then I was able to get my kids to school and then I got, and um, unfortunately had to get all new tires. You know, you can't just get one tire, you have to get all new tires. So they, yeah. They, I, yeah. Yeah, get, so yeah. That was just like I said, that was a great, that was just a funny little anecdote. Of, you know, I, I didn't want you to have a flat tire, but that's just a great yeah. example of yeah. something that. Yeah. I was like, I have a good excuse. I can't make it. <laughs> yeah. And that's just something that those are things that come up during yeah, the day. And during it the, really during, does. During yeah. The year that you have yep. to handle on your own. And, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, my, yep. yeah, he was at work and he was like, if you need me, I can come home. And I was like, well, let me try this. So yeah. we got it. We got it working. All right. So the first question I like to ask all the ladies is how many times have you moved? Oh, geez. Let's see. Um, moved to San Diego. Well, moved to San Diego um, when I graduated college and then moved to Ohio. Then yeah. we moved to Minnesota and then now we're in Arizona. So that's four. So fortunately, not bad. Not too bad. That's right. Yeah, I know lots of other people. Now, when did you meet? How did you when did you and Steve meet? We met in college. We met. Um, I'm trying to think what year it was. I think it was two, 2000, summer of 2000. Okay. We met in college. Um, it's kind of a horrible, I mean, it's not the most romantic Cinderella story, but we met <laughs> at a bar. Uh, he was the bouncer and uh -oh. I was, you know, yeah, I was just someone getting in and then we just kind of, you know, uh, struck up a relationship that way and just got to know each other, obviously outside of the bar. That's um, right. But yeah, so yeah, we've been going strong since then. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. We're coming up on uh, 19 years of marriage here. It's crazy. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now you guys both went to South Dakota State? South Dakota State, yep. Brookings, South Dakota. Yep. So now is that where Steve's from as well? We're both from Minnesota. He's from the very southeastern part of the, uh, the state. And I, I'm from the southwest part of the state. Okay. So, All right. Yep. So when you, when obviously when you got through, when Steve got through with his college days, you know, he was a, he, he, he made the NFL. Did you know that he had a pretty good opportunity to make the NFL? And what were your thoughts of kind of that thinking of that life as, as the, the girlfriend probably at the time of yeah. trying to make the NFL and that lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah. So he got drafted. He didn't, he got drafted. He didn't finish college. So he, he went right to San Diego and I still had a year to finish. And that's kind of right when we started dating is um, right when he got drafted. So we had to spend that first year um, long distance relationship, which is hard, but I mean, we did it, we made it work. And then I, I spent that last year and I graduated college and then um, packed up a U-Haul, drove out there and lived with uh, my cousins. My cousins, my one cousin went to SDSU there and she played basketball and um, her sister lived with her. So I lived with the, the two of them on the SDSU campus. So that was kind of wild too, but it was only 20, 20 minutes from where Steve lived. So, um, okay. drive back and forth. So that was neat, but I only ended up being in San Diego for nine months and then he got traded to Cleveland. So, but it was fun. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when, before you, before you guys, I mean, at, at that point, you guys pretty much thought that you were going to be kind of a forever, you know, you were going to make it that as far as you thought you were going to, you know, you, you thought probably obviously making the move down there that, hey, this is Steve's the guy. Any, any trepidation <laughs> with your families and all that of, of Jessica, you know, pulling up shop and driving this. Yeah, to right. What is she doing? Yeah. Driving across the country to San Diego to this guy. No, I mean, obviously you got to you got to know. I mean, it's you're driving across the country for someone. So but uh, at the time, you know, I, I knew I loved him and he loved me. And it was it was uh 
really not a question of anything. It was just like, yeah, let's do this. Let's make this work. You know, let's do it the right way. I'll just move out there and yeah. you know, we'll see each other whenever we can. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the rest is history. How, how was it difficult for you, obviously, moving to a brand new city, not knowing anybody really, you know, with his schedule, you know, not that he didn't have time for you, but there wasn't going to be the normal, he didn't work the normal right. nine to five job and, you know, things like that. So how, how, did, how did you handle that? Obviously, younger in your life, when you were young, you know, when you were fresh out of college, you know, wanting to do some things that you want to do too. Right. Yeah. I think going into it, I didn't have too many expectations um, just because we kind of did start dating right when he got drafted. And so the first part I, I knew was a lot of uh, um, a time away and whatnot. Um, so I, I think I just went out there and I got a job. So I was busy too. So it was kind of a lot of nights and weekends when we were able to see each other. Um, so yeah, I just, just knew that, you know, it was a sacrifice. It's something he had to do and you just got to kind of go along with the ride and just take what you can get and, you know, go from there. And then, you know, they get their uh, bye weeks or they get their off season and that too. So you kind of just hold down and prepare for that. Sure. Sure. So Steve's career, Steve was a good player, played a long time. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't a Hall of Famer kind of guy, or, but he was a very consistent player. Were you ever nervous? Oh, you, you're never sure of, is Steve going to get cut? Steve going to make the team this year? I'm sure there were several years when you're not sure how that's going to go, um, right. especially as he gets later in his career. How did that, you know, how did that thought process go with you and Steve as far as talking about Hey, Jessica, we may have to pick up and move. We may have to, who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're always nervous. You never know. I mean, every training camp, he, you know, he's, he's got to get out there and prove himself that, you know, he's eligible and he's capable and whatnot. And um, yeah, so you, you're, you never know. I mean, it's every game and preseason is kind of indicative, you know, they kind of start the starters at certain time and then they, you know, play someone else. And so it was his third year with, San Diego when he was kind of playing in preseason towards the end of the um the fourth quarter and whatnot and it was just you know it wasn't based on his ability at all it was just you know kind of more they they had a tight end that they wanted to develop and um so yeah you're always nervous and it, you kind of get that feeling like ah, I kind of you know I kind of feel like we're not going to be here you know let's just kind of get ready for this and um ended up going to Cleveland and it was just it was an amazing experience so it was play. it was a better opportunity for him there anyway. So right. you like, so you it worked like, out. Yep, you guys like Cleveland and all that. Good Love stuff? Cleveland. Yep, great football fans. Very yes, very passionate yep. fans, and that part of yes. the country is lives and dies Heck in yeah. the Midwest with football and all yep. that stuff. And probably good for you guys, a little closer to your home, back to a little closer, closer to, home. to Minnesota yep. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So probably good for you and your families. Yep. Yeah, we enjoyed it. We loved Cleveland. We were there. He played there eight years, so or eight seasons. It was. It was it was good. Very cool. Very cool. So Steve's career got cut short a little bit. He had a neck injury and he made the decision to stop playing. How tough of a decision was that for you guys as a family to make? And obviously it was probably more of a medical decision than anything else, I would assume. Right. Um, right. So how, but how difficult with the reality of, okay, I'm not playing football anymore. That's the right. That. Yeah. Cause they kind of, I mean, they go from high school to college to the NFL or, you know, NFL. So they don't really get that time to think and say well what do I want to be when I grow up you know I've only just done football but at least in Steve's case I mean granted it was you know it was a neck injury and it was a knee you know his one of his game ending um or career ending was a you know a, a defender came and took out the side of his knee and he blew like every 
everything in his knee. So um, as much as he wanted to continue, he could, but medically he couldn't, but he was fortunate enough to say, I want to retire. So that was, that was good too on his sense. Um, so uh, we just kind of, he made the decision and uh, we had a home in Minnesota and we just uh, retired there and um, just made it work. Yeah. I got, I got you. So when you, how old are your children? I have a 14-year-old uh, girl, Madison, 10-year-old daughter, Presley, and a four-year-old little man, Walker. So you sounds like you probably had two of the children while Steve was still playing? Uh, we had our first when he was still playing, and then our second we had just after he retired. So okay. just one. So having, having, having uh, your, your oldest while Steve was still playing, the challenges of, of, of that, and obviously with Steve yeah. still playing, how, how, how did you handle that and you know, with Steve being away a lot and did you mm -hmm. good support yeah. from your, both your families and helping you do all the yeah. things that you needed to yep. do to raise, yeah, to raise your, was, your daughter? Yeah, it was nice. I mean, granted it was Ohio and Minnesota aren't super close, but it, it's doable. So yeah, it was an adjustment. First kid, you know, you don't know down from up at that point, you know, it's a lot of, it's a sacrifice on everything, but it's, you know, worth it obviously in the end. Um, so we had them and we got really close to um, our neighbor's uh, there and she was retired and she was looking for work and she was kind of our Ohio, Ohio grandma. So she helped out a lot too. So yeah, between the family and her, I mean, it was made it work and you know, she'd babysit, um, during the games or, and you know, when I go to the games and whatnot. So it, it was nice that, that family, so to speak. Very cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Now that you, now that you got some older kids now, Obviously, are they, I'm sure they're super into. Are they super into football? Or are they? Are do they? They're like they're they're getting there. It's 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 a little bit of both. I mean, the two girls. I I, I think boys mo maybe more so might be into. I we I'd like to bring our little guy to the game, and he gets excited. You know, there's just theatrical stuff, loud you know, loud noises, and just you know, it's it's entertaining. The girls are getting more so, and and that's that's fun to see. Um, yeah, so it's. It's, it's pretty fun. They get to see dad on the field. Now he used to be, you know, he was, um, he used to be up in the, in the box. So we, we could never see him. We'd have to get the binoculars out and try to look for him. But now you can see him on the field and it's, it's pretty cool for them. They enjoy it. Very cool. Very cool. What, um, as, 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 as the mom and the wife, did you live and die every play when Steve was playing and coaching? Or are you, are you pretty kind of mellow and you can, you can keep everything under, under wraps? Or do you get super excited every, or, or upset when things are going good or not so good during the game? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm nuts. I'm crazy. I'm jumping up, I'm screaming, or I'm, you know, trying to keep, keep it in check when, you know, something bad happens and whatnot. But it was, it was definitely, definitely different when Steve was playing versus um, when he's coaching. I mean, it was way more intense then because it's his body's on the field, you know, as you right. just like, ah, oh, don't get hurt. And, right. And every know, time he got hit hard, you're probably saying, yeah, Please you're get just up. Like, get yeah, up. I know. Yeah. And then they go to commercial and you're like, no, I can't see, <laughs> you know, so you're just, you're just hoping if it's bad enough, someone will get a hold of you. But, uh, you know, and that comes back and you're like, oh, okay, good. He's on the, you know, he's over there. He's, he's in again. Or, right. um, yeah. So that was definitely a lot more stressful when he was playing different, you know, versus now when he's coaching, but, yeah, I would, I would say I get excited and it's, it's fun. I mean, it's hard not to. Uh, yeah. You, you, it's, this is, this is how you guys make your living now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the more wins, the better the living. <laughs> heck, heck yeah. Yeah. He comes home. He's happy. That's awesome. That's all you can ask for. And again, Steve's the tight ends coach for the Arizona Cardinals. The only undefeated team left in the Woo! NFL as we head into week five 
a huge win over the weekend. They went and killed the uh, LA Rams out in Los Angeles. Yep. And uh, they're playing, the, the Cardinals are playing great. And they got a lot of their tight. The tight end caught a touchdown over the weekend. Yeah, Max, Minnesota boy, Minnesota boy. Yeah, he's doing yep. well. He's doing awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so kudos to Steve in the tight end room. All right. Mm -hmm. So, when Steve just did, Steve always know he wanted to coach when he got done playing. Um, you know his role. Um, when he played tight end, he was kind of always a coaching tight end. When he played with uh, Kellen Winslow. Um, Steve was kind of his mentor, kind of a, you know, they'd say, you know, the, his coaches would say, you know, can you kind of work with Kellen a little bit, you know, help him out and whatnot. So right. Steve kind of took on that role um, and he enjoyed it. So he's, you know, transitioning from being a player to a coach, I feel like was easier for him. I don't know if he would agree with that, but I, I felt like that was a good transition for him just in the sense that, you know, he was always kind of the role model, or I don't know if I want to say role model, but he kind of took, certain players under his wing and sure. you know so that was that helped I think yeah so he took a little break between playing and coaching it was a three it was like about a three or four year gap yeah it was three years yep yeah is that Not just much. more just to let his body you know just to recover and live a little, you know help you raise the kids a little bit is that yeah what the and, and was it was that? yeah and it was kind of the you know okay I'm done football which what am I going to do with my life kind of a thing and then he got into real estate and did that um he did do some coaching at a um college in Minneapolis. Um, and it was only just for a few months. And then it was, um, uh, BA actually called Steve and that's when he was with Indianapolis and he, uh, they got Steve out there to do an intern, um, for coaching. And it was only like, it was only a couple of weeks. It wasn't like very long. Camp, like during training camp, they have like an internship program. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he went out there and it was, it was just a, a couple of weeks, if not three weeks, I can't remember exactly how long, but uh, so he did that. Um, and then shortly after um, that's when, you know, BA was the interim or head coach, you know, cause Pagano got sick and, right. um, and then BA ultimately got the job the next year with Arizona. And then he called Steve and he's like, I'm creating a position for you. I want you here, you know, let me know what you think. And yeah, so that was a wild ride. So he, you know, he, he did get a little bit under his belt with doing a little bit of college coaching and then just right, went right into the NFL and yeah, here so we are. Very, very different than most. He was fortunate that he got to start at the NFL where most guys have to, you know, jump mm -hmm. around from college job to college job, you know, before they get an opportunity. So, so that's, that's great. How is the, how is the transition from obviously the player, the player schedule is a little more nine to five ish than it is the coaching schedule. How have you yeah. adjusted to that? And the family's adjusted to dad's going to be gone later now, yeah. leave earlier yeah. and get home later than maybe yeah. he did when he was a player. Yeah, it's definitely a transition. As a player, you you know, they get a day off. So it was always, you know, you schedule everything on that day off. When he played, it was Tuesday. So right. let's schedule the C-section for Tuesday. Let's, you know, let's have our babies then or anything important. It was like, dad's got Tuesday off. Um, definitely more time um, in the office. You know, he's gone by four, leaves about four, 4.30 in the morning and he's home by 8, 8.30 um, every yeah. night. So it, it does get tough. Fridays are a little more, you know, lax, um, depending if he has to travel or not, but, um, he's usually done by two or so, yeah. so he can be able to go get the kids from school. And then, um, we could do date night that night if we want or whatnot, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely, uh, a bigger, uh, sacrifice in the schedule, but, um, you know, we just go through it and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's worth it because they're doing well and, 
Um, and the good thing you know, is they're they're off, get, the good thing fun. is their off season's a little more little more downtime in the off season as opposed off to season's great. Time. Yep. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't have to do the recruiting like they do in college. Yep. And he, you know, they get a generous amount in the summer, which is great. And then we come here to the cabin and we just, you know, just plop and just drop our things and just, yep. you know, enjoy time together and enjoy the family life. And yeah, so it's, it's great. Is your home base now out in Arizona? Do you guys, is that where you guys, yep. are, is that where you guys are stationed at now? Yes. Yep. Yeah. We have a home in Arizona and then we've, uh, just recently, but we in 2018, we bought a cabin here in Minnesota just because we were coming here every summer and right. um, we'd either stay with my parents or his parents or uh, whatnot. So it's just kind of nice to have a place of our own here. So that way um, we don't feel like we're imposing on people. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do, so when you guys, when you and Steve do get some, some, uh, you know, husband and wife time, what are some fun things you guys like to do as a couple, you know, just little things in and around fe- the, the Phoenix area and all that stuff when, mm-hmm. you guys are, when you're out there? Um, let's see, what do we do? We usually just do date night. Just go somewhere we haven't gone in a while. Go find a fun restaurant. Uh, maybe go to a movie. Um, concerts, you know, now that they're kind of coming up up and yep. back. Um, if we can, you know, find Work someone in the in. area or whatnot. Um, yeah, try to do that kind of stuff. Um, we've done some staycations, which are fun. You know, I mean, it's not really date night, but um, we like to go uh, north part of Arizona up into Flagstaff. It's just beautiful up there. You get the, you get all the seasons up there. You get snow. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. So um, yeah, I mean, you just try to be together, even, even if yeah. it's just going in the backyard and just hanging by the pool and um, how just relaxing. Fun, how, how, how cool is it now that with technology that, you know, even though Steve's not home, he can FaceTime the kids at night yeah, and things like that. It is least, nice. Yeah. At least you can say hello and he can see them and all that stuff as, they, right. as they're growing yeah. up. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's his way to be there without being there, you know, and, and our kids are, we're staying pretty busy. Our 10 year old and our, uh, uh, 14 year old, they're on the swim team. There and so go. we're, we're traveling a lot. Yeah. For going to meets and, you know, I can FaceTime and I can be like, okay, watch, you know, she's up for her 53 or, you know, she's got to drop some time and, you know, he can sit there and watch it or I can take a video just as much and send it to him too. So it, it, it definitely does help. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So let's talk about you, your, your, your interactions with other coaches wives. I know you've been in Arizona for, for his whole career coaching wise. How was it as a player, you and Steve together as a player, did you guys intermingle with other players, wives and girlfriends very often? and do things together and how did, how did that work for you being that you got that you were a, a, a player's wife for such a long time in the league yeah I I think you definitely find you know with their schedules of just being so rigorous you definitely take I did at least take solace in knowing that you have family there that your family is your football family um they're going through the same thing you know so it's nice to you know, have someone and just be like, Hey, you want to come watch the, the movie or uh, I'm sorry, the game with us. You want to come over and watch the game with us and um, hang out and the kids can play. And um, when Steve was playing, I just had my, my oldest was just a baby. So, and she was born just towards the last um, part of his career too. So, um, but it was fun. You know, we, um, I, we'd ride share to the games. And um, so then that way we could ride back with our husband and, um, so that was nice. It was, it was kind of the same concept, you know, you, you rely on someone or, you know, make good friendships. And then, sure. you know, the guys are friends that, you know, they build relationships on the team with those guys and you just, you know, get together and do some stuff. So um, it was, it was definitely a saving grace. It was nice to have 
so. And it was, you know, same concept as now. You just get together and hang out. Coaches wise now that yep. you got, that you got a, I'm sure you have a wide array of ages of, of the ladies. You got some younger yep. ladies and some. You know. la- yeah, younger and older, but everybody's great. I mean, it's just, like I said, one big football family. So, oops, sorry. No, nah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to swipe away my notifications um but yeah it's it's it is it is amazing I mean it's it's nice to have that especially you know being someone new coming to the team you don't know anyone and um it's nice to you know have someone reach out and say you know we're gonna welcome Jessica to the team and um you know let's get together here's a number you know she has these kids they're this these ages if anyone has someone similar um do stuff, that do stuff together that have kids with the similar ages and right you know, whether, yep. it's, whether it's yeah and it's good for the kids too yeah it's because then they get to make some new friends and um do stuff together and just feel like you know it's it's fun for them so how nervous not nervous but how much um you know trepidation did you have obviously arizona's had a couple coaching changes in the last with ba leaving mm-hmm. retiring and then there was another coaching change and now coach well, kingsbury's here yeah, kind of made it through all those. Yeah, um, yeah. So how nervous were you standing. during the, How nervous were you during those times when the coaching changes and you don't know what the future is going to hold? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it gets it gets a little hairy. I mean, you're just like, okay, here we go, get ready. You know what's what's going to happen? So you, you definitely get nervous because I mean, it's it's kind of rare that they just keep everyone. Usually, they just kind of want to you know come in with their whole new staff and everyone wants someone, but it's great to know that we, you know, you got someone buying for you just saying, Hey, no, we like this guy. We like this coach. We want to keep him on, you know, I I want you to interview him and whatnot. So, I mean, we've been very fortunate to be here. You know, this will be his ninth season here with the, with the Cardinals. And it's, it's insane. It's amazing. And uh, we're fortunate to still be here. You know, we don't have to worry about moving, packing up and finding all new doctors, all new schools all new everything you know like now that our kids are getting older and you know it's definitely and they've got their friends and they don't want to leave their friends and, right, right you know they've got their swim team and yeah so it's 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 That's a, fortunate no, steve's definitely been a rarity as far as the coaching yeah carousel not having to move around a whole lot being the same yeah. organization that long with a couple yeah. of coaching changes that's definitely something to to be proud of and that's that's a credit definitely. to steve Obviously, mm-hmm. he, they, people must think very highly of Steve as a tight, you know, obviously coaching his position. Um, Steve's obviously, I'm sure Steve has aspirations to, 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 to you know, be, whether it's be an offensive coordinator or potentially be a head coach at some point. Do you guys ever have those kind of talks about, hey, you know, I'd love the opportunity down the road maybe to, do, to, 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 to be, the, be the head coach or be the offensive coordinator? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, it's I mean, he's, he's focused on where he's at right now and doing the best with his position right now. So he's just like, I'm going to get through this, you know, I'm going to do my thing. But I, I think ultimately, you know, you, there's room for improvement and I think he'd like to eventually see how far he can get and whether it be O-line or I'm sorry, offensive coordinator or head coach, you know, um, right. Def, you definitely want to get there in the right way, you know, and um, I think he's doing it, you know, he's, he's putting his time in, he's trying, you know, he's doing his best and yeah, he's, it's it's speaking well for him i mean being here this long and you know it's 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 been amazing so very cool very cool we listen to the, to the powers on sports podcast we're here with jessica hyden this the wife of steve hyden who's the, who's the tight ends coach for the arizona cardinals and uh, the cardinals are off to a great start let's talk let's talk about jessica a little bit what did you get your college degree in 
I had a Bachelor of Arts. Uh, my emphasis was in Spanish. Okay. Um, haven't really done anything with it since. Okay. <laughs> uh, I had the opportunity. I, well, probably had more opportunities being in uh, San Diego now right. that I'm in Arizona. And it's been a while since so lost lost some of it. Um, so definitely need to find my way back towards that and or something else. Um, but yeah, graduated with that and uh, love, love animals, love to do something with animals, something like that. But right now, just kind of doing the stay-at-home mom thing. And yep. I've got the three kiddos, got to get them here, there, everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, th I think once little man, he, he'll be in kindergarten next year. So it'll be an all day every day um, at school. So I think once he gets to school, I'll probably try to find something as far as work, uh, something sure. remote yeah, yeah. and yeah, you got, you got, your, time. You, you got your hands, I got full, my hands already. full you got plenty <laughs> of your hands full already. So definitely. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about uh, the Steve bring if, 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 if they do, when they do lose a game, does Steve bring all that home with him or is he good at leaving all that stuff at the facility? How does Steve handle wins and losses? He's, he's real good. He's always, even as a player, he was good about it. I mean, he's like, well, I mean, what can you do by, you know, sitting there and, you know, going over it and being, you know, mad about it. I mean, uh, so he's very good about leaving it on the field or at the facility. Uh, you know, he, we'll sit there like in the car ride home. I just kind of sit there and I play off his vibe and I'll just be like, well, you know, what'd you think or whatnot? And if he wants to talk, then I'm like, great, let's, you know, that was, yeah, that was a crazy play or this or that, or that was amazing or, Right. you know, whatnot. And so I, I kind of gauge it off and just kind of let him be the judge as far as, you know, how much he wants to talk about, but no, he's, he's very good about um, leaving it there. And I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's not one to sit there and just go over it and um, right. yeah, swallow it and just let it ferment. He's, he's good. So when Steve's at home, what's, what's one or two pet peeves that Steve, that you always say, Steve, can you please take the trash out? Can you put your shoes away? Can you help with the laundry a little bit? What are the couple yeah. of things that you just really drives you crazy about Steve? Yeah. At home? Steve, uh, speaking of laundry, he, he's very good at starting the laundry, but just not finishing it. He'll leave it in, he'll leave it in there and just not get to it and like fold it and put it away. I'm like, Oh, I see he started it. You know, there's clean laundry laying all up in here, but yeah. So that might be one and just, you know, you kind of get in a routine and everything. And then I think once they're home, you're like, okay, you know, we got to adjust this routine or, you know, I get into mom mode and I'm a certain way and then he'll come in and, you know, uh, do it a, a different way. So you just, it's, it's working with that too, you know, just another being there shoes, maybe shoes just dropped right there. That might be one, but otherwise he's, he's, he's helpful around the house. Definitely. I'm, I'm fortunate in that he's good and helpful around the house as far as cleaning up and, um doing is, dinner and stuff is steve, a, is steve a good cook can he is he a grill master he's yeah he's getting better he's uh he's on this keto diet so he's doing a lot of fish and salmon and so he's trying some new recipes um but yeah he's a good cook he's good about uh we have a lot of late nights with the kiddos uh they get done at 7 p.m at night um with swim and then so we're home usually by 7 20 7 30 so it's if if he's not there it's me it's a hurry up let's make something Otherwise, if he's there, he'll just be like, I'll, you know, I'll start something. I'll make tacos or um, uh, salmon or, yeah. you know, make some hamburgers or something like that. So, yeah, he's, he's very good. So, it's, very good. It's very nice. Good. A couple more things. We'll get you out of here. Talk to me about a couple of things that you and Steve like to do in the community, uh, whether it's charities that are important to you or causes that are important to you, whether it's in, you know, Minnesota, Arizona, wherever you guys are, or Ohio, what are some things that are important to you guys? 
Um, well, him being a player, he was always uh, Tuesdays were their day off, and then that was their charity day. So he did multiple charities um, doing that as a player. Um, I think now that he's a coach, well, obviously he doesn't have the days off and that option to go do that. But it's it's more of the you know feed my starving children. That's something um, I've recently just gotten into the Casa program. Uh, Chris okay. Arians is big into that, and yeah. then she was um, the one that kind of led me towards that. So I'm I'm registered as a Casa, which is a court appointed special advocate, um, just to a child in need in the foster system. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing, and and you know uh, they've had their benefits. The Arians is um, when they were in Arizona. Um, they'd have a benefit every year and we'd go to that. And so we'd donate to that. And, um, they'd have silent auctions and, um, whatnot. So that was, that was fun. So I think that would be late as of late, that would be our biggest, um, charity event, I guess I would say. Um, yeah. When, where do you, do you, do you anticipate, um, your home base being Arizona for kind of, you're going to keep a home in Arizona. How do you think that's going to, is that where you kind of you think you're going to raise the, the the family out in Arizona? Even if Steve were to go somewhere else, you get it. You guys going to keep a home base in Arizona, or are you going to kind of go just go um, wherever Steve goes? I would say definitely go where he goes. Um, fortunately, we haven't had to make that decision yet. You know, with uh, since we haven't had to move. Yep. Um, because I know some. You know, the, the cuts are in like what March. Um, you know, and then that's when people kind of have to go somewhere else, you know, if we were to get, uh, released to a different or traded to a different team or picked up by a different team, sure. we haven't had that opportunity to say like, well, should I, should I stay with the kids and let them finish out school right? or do I move with you right away and let them finish out school somewhere else and make new friends? So, um, um, fortunately I haven't been part of that, uh, where I haven't had to worry, but, um, I think most likely we would probably move with him uh, right away yeah. just because it's, I mean, we don't see him enough as it is. And then just to, you know, make it that much, you know, put that distance between us. I mean, we would definitely want to stay together as a family unit. And so what are, some, what are some things that you like to do if you had away from, away from being a mom and all that, are you, you look like you're, you're, you're pretty athletic. Do you like to get out and exercise and that kind of stuff? Or what are some things you like to do when you have some yeah. free time? Yeah, I love being outside. Um, love uh, going for a walk, depending on the weather. It's it's finally starting to get cool in Arizona, so that's nice. Yep. We're at the cabin right now, so um, just gonna get out. The kids are raking, making a big leaf pile. We're uh, working on finishing. Uh, we got to take these docks out of the water, the boats out. Um, we're not doing that. We have a company that comes and helps <laughs> us. But um, yeah, just being outside. I love going to the gym and working out. Um, I love animals. I grew up with horses. So um, I, that's something I haven't done in a while, but if, if, if I had the opportunity or the chance, that's something I'd love to do is just go, you know, lease a horse. If, if we had the spot place to, you know, board one or right. keep one, I would love to do something like that. Just go out and just go be in the outside, be in the elements, just riding a horse. That's one of my favorite things. So yeah, I would love to do that too. I bet you don't miss those Minnesota winters, huh? No, I do not. Not at all. No, I, I miss the concept of the snow. It's so pretty and everything, but it just lasts so long and it gets so cold. So yeah. I love Arizona winters. They're perfect. You can drive three hours north and get some snow and then come right back home and, you know, be a little warmer. Yeah. yeah. Well, not in the winter. It's, it's right. about in the sixties. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's, it's getting better now. It's in the, 
high in the 90s right now so it's, yeah, it's yeah yeah nice. so yeah I'm, I'm down here in tampa so yeah it's we're very similar to you guys we don't yeah hot 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 all the time and then a little bit a little bit of cool in the in the in the, in the fall and in the winter so oh but yeah that, jessica great meeting you thanks for the time awesome awesome journey with you and steve keep it up keep up the undefeated season Keep yeah, I hope so. With the Cardinals. Good luck with the girls and swimming and all that good stuff. And uh, it was a real pleasure meeting you. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate this. This is fun. Yep. And uh, have a great week. And who does Arizona got this week? Uh, the 49ers this weekend. We got the 49ers. So we'll see. It's a division game. That's it. That's it. They count double. That's right. In I think mm-hmm. the game's in Arizona. It's a home game, right? It's in Arizona, yeah. And we'll see. As far as I heard, Garoppolo might be injured. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, it's we'll, iffy. we'll see. Yeah, now, we'll now see. You, but either you, way. You, real quick, do you go to all the home games? All the home games. Yep. All the home games. I I usually yeah, I go to all the home games. Yeah. Yep. I was gonna talk about traveling and whatnot, but uh home games are just the easiest. Yeah, I was going to say, usually once a year, a team will bring the wives on a road trip or something sometimes. And uh, so, you you know, every team's different how they handle that. But I know sometimes you hear stories that they'll bring the wives on on or the family on a trip or something once a year. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so great luck. Go win a Super Bowl for us. Thank you. I hope so. Except when they play the the Bucks. I'm a Bucks fan. Yeah, we'll see. I, I I don't know. Did we play them this year? I don't think so. I can't so. remember if we did. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think we did. do. Yeah, but I don't well, maybe we, do. we will. Who In knows? the playoffs, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, have a great week and good luck. Thanks, Jason. You too. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening All right, bye. to the bye-bye. Powers on Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.